read just one verse, verse 18. The Bible says, There I am he that liveth and was dead. Behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and death. And there's something powerful about that statement. this sermon out of the archives and I did that on purpose because the last time I preached that sermon, this sermon was in in an empty sanctuary it was in April of 2020 when our world drastically changed in 2020 when the pandemic struck and uh, there was only four or five of us that were in here wonder what it'd be like to preach this message to a house that has people in it and so I just believe the Lord's going to minister here this morning let's ask the Lord to touch his word here today Lord I am thankful Jesus for the hope that we have in you I know Lord that your word energizes us I know Lord that prayer energizes us pray God today that somehow Lord that all of us or that our minds and spirits God would take hope Jesus in what we will Lord both preach and hear today and I ask you Lord to do that in your name in Jesus name I pray amen amen you may be seated I am um I think most of you probably are aware that whenever John records these words in the book of Revelation that he's on uh, an island, he's a prisoner, he's an outcast. Uh, he has been taken from his place and he's been put there by a man by the name of Domitian who was the emperor, the Caesar prime minister, president, whatever you want to call him. He was nothing more than just a tool in the hand of of our nasty enemy, the devil, who had gotten into some wicked political leader. And so now he has John, and John is here on this island called Patmos. Revelation chapter 1, verse 10, I was in the spirit. On the Lord's Day, and there would be three other times where that John would make that statement. He made that statement in chapter 4 and verse 2. Immediately I was in the Spirit. Behold, a throne was set in heaven, one sat on the throne. Revelation 17 and 3, he carried me away in the Spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. And then in Revelation 21 and 10, the Bible says, He carried me away in the Spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. Two times of those four occurrences, the Bible tells us that He sees the royalty of the Lord. And then 
uh, another one of those times he saw the wickedness of a of a dark brazen harlot that he describes and and then lastly the spirit brings him into that place called New Jerusalem. I would point out to you here this morning that our Bible begins with man taking a bite out of a forbidden piece of fruit. Uh, it's a meal. It's a, it's, a, it's a damnable meal. It's a meal that set us in the direction that our world is going in now. And, and yet the beginning is a meal, and yet at the end of the Bible there is also a meal and it is the marriage supper of the Lamb. That's how diverse that God is that He says, you know what, what started in, in darkness is going to ultimately end in light. That's the power of the resurrection here today. But, but here in this scripture that I read to you here this morning, John's initial vision that he had seen of a risen Lord, his head and his hair was white. As wool, eyes like flames of fire, feet of brass, and a voice roared like that of many waters, almost like it would be that of Niagara, where that there would be just that power and strength that would come out of that that God that we serve, that incarnate Christ that walked through the earth and that he did all sorts of fantastic things and yet John tells us that there are things here that the two greatest points in history are mentioned here and one of them is that he is dead and then the second one is that he is literally alive. How in the world would a church, the redeemed, not be grateful and not want to move into a place of worship whenever you begin to hear about those things that have taken place that the Lord has done for every single one of us. The Bible tells us that He cleansed lepers. He brought uh, hearing to the deaf. He added sight to the blind. There were cripples that He cured and there were three that the Gospels record that were dead that He called back from the grave there. He measured hope out to the hopeless and yet None of those things are really critical or all important matters whenever it comes to the matter of the church. There could have been a church if Bartimaeus would have never been healed. There could have been a church if Jairus' daughter would have never uh, come out of the grave. Or there could, have, there could have been a church even if the water had not been turned into wine. But know this here this morning, church, then there's no way that this church would be here today except for there was a cross and now that there is an empty tomb that is there. These two facts that John comes along and he says, I'm going to tell you something about this Lord that you serve. He was dead, but now he is literally alive. What, what's the point in all of that? What, what's our part in that? Well, uh, we have death. 
and yet the scripture says that he became dead. We have life because the scripture says, Behold, I am alive forevermore. In fact, it goes on and we have supremacy even over not only just death but life in itself because the Bible tells us here that I have the keys of hell and death. What a powerful verse that the whole mystery of Easter is locked up in that one single verse there. It's just in that one verse that you find there that, that he is there, that there's joy that there. There is hope that's there. There is relief that is there. And so whenever the Lord comes along and he says, I'm the one that is living and was dead, that death of the Lord Jesus Christ has literally become a central point in the salvation of every single one of us here this morning. Paul emphasized that in first in Romans chapter 14 he did so in second Corinthians chapter 5 he did so in Galatians chapter 2 all of these matters where that that Paul began to say that and I want to tell you something that that cry that that the gospels record where that when the Lord was on the cross the Bible says that that it is finished and he realized that it was at that point that our salvation through him and by him was secured and that it literally was finished there. There is something about it today that now that that Lord that had died is now a risen Lord and he is speaking to John and he said, John, I want you to listen to me. I am become dead. That is one of the victories of, it, of Easter there is the fact that our Lord Jesus Christ, that he was dead. You say, how in the world is that a, is that a victory? It's because it opens up even more because the second victory that we find is also in that verse and the second one is this, is behold, I am alive forevermore. If John would have finished that statement there and would have left us hanging where that, that he says, I uh, became dead or I, uh, I, I died, that it would have been horrific. Okay? Because all Jesus would have been at that point was just a, a great martyr. He would have just been a, a teacher, a preacher, a prophet that had come along and, and, uh, and, and that, that it would not have been any more than that. If the cross is the end, then the world has no idea about what the glory of God is even about. If the cross is the end, then what does it stand for? It stands for disaster and it stands for defeat. It stands for literally the overthrow of everything that is right righteous and good if the cross is the end then what does that tell me that nobody is going to escape the clutches of death if the cross is the end there is no sacrifice for sin if the cross is the end what does Paul say he said our preaching is in vain it doesn't mean anything at all but I'm going to tell you something here today that the cross was not the end it was not the end at all it was the place where the, they, they, they held him down and, and uh, they nailed him to that. I don't know that they held him down. He went there willingly. But they, they nailed him to that tree there. The great nails were not big enough. The stone in the tomb was not 
big enough. The soldiers in themselves were not able to stop the Lord from coming out of that grave. And so that pain, and I hope this week, I hope that your mind has been drawn in uh, to what some have called the Passion Week. And then certainly on Friday uh, was Good Friday. And we call it Good Friday because the Lord went through all the the torment and the shame of the cross. But the fact is is that because there was a Good Friday, Good Friday was swallowed up in Sunday. And you have heard that statement before. It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. I want to tell every believer that here this morning that you may be locked down. You may be miserable right now. You may be at a place where you feel like that you're in an impasse, but know this. It may be Friday right now, but Sunday is coming. And there's something about it that when the hope and the resurrection gets in to every single one of our lives, that we know that this, that the grave can't hold us down, that sickness and pain and death, it cannot hold us down. Oh, no, it can't. And yet throughout the Bible, you start seeing that there was a small handful that were called back from the grave. They would die again. I don't know if you're aware of it, but but uh, Matthew makes the record that, that when the Lord was resurrected, there were others that were resurrected with Him at that very same time. But you know what? All of them have died. Lazarus, dead. The widow of Nain, her son, dead. Jairus' daughter, dead. Oh, but hear me. Revelation chapter 4 and verse 9. And when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne who liveth forever and ever, that's what John saw. John said, let me tell you something. He said, I saw him crucified. And John was writing this whenever he was in probably his 90s, whenever he was there on Patmos. He said, you know what? 60 years ago, I saw the Lord. I saw him die. He said, I was there at the tomb that morning whenever the stone had been rolled away. And the fact of the matter is this. He says, I'm telling you now. And there in, in verse 9 of Revelation 4, those that word their beast could probably be translated in There's something like seraphim or cherubim or angels that what are they doing? They're worshiping the Lord there. Revelation chapter 5 and verse 14. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him. And then John writes it like this, that liveth forever and ever. The writer of Hebrews in Hebrews 7 and 16 said, Who is not made or who is made not after the law of a carnal commandment, but after the power of an endless life? He said, I'm gonna tell you, he said, I'm gonna taste of death. But I'm not only going to taste of death for myself. I'm going to taste of death for you so that whenever you find yourself in that place of dying and it's coming to every one of us. And I guess I look across this sanctuary this morning. Maybe little Noah's probably the youngest in, in here. I don't know who the oldest is. 
But just know this, that every single one of us are moving in a direction toward death. If we do not have the blood of Christ applied to our lives, we are going to be lost. That's why what we're doing here this morning is not just another Easter Sunday. It's just not just another day. If the Lord's been talking to you this past week, or He's been talking to you in the last month or the last six months, I'm pleading with you to hear what the Spirit is trying to say to you. Because know this, there is nothing that compares to your eternal salvation. And you've got to get plugged in and engaged today. Today is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow, not next week, not next year, not a New Year's resolution. But today is the day that I have got to get my life moving in a direction so that the Lord is going to be able to witness and minister in our lives. Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 25, the Bible says, Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. The Lord was in our yesterdays. He's in our todays. And when you wake up in the morning, the Lord will be waiting on you in the morning. If you wake up next week, he'll be in your next week. He'll be there next year. He'll be there next in the next decade. He'll be there if, if the same president is in the White House. He'll be there if our world implodes. The Lord Jesus Christ, he will be there. He is our only hope that we have. Come on, church. There ought to be something about it this morning that you say, I've got to have the Lord in my life. In Jesus' name. <coughs> and so, the, so it is the Lord is at our side. And there's times where that all of us feel that, that there is invincible exploits that we can do by the calling of the Spirit of the Lord. And, and then there's other times that we feel the brunt and the teeth of, of, of temptation that's coming in to our lives. But know this, just like you feel invincible, the Lord is with you. But when you feel the pressure of temptation, when you feel like you're being ground under by the darkness of this world, the Lord is there. I'm sorry. I'm like Brother Arnold. I'm sorry. I don't mean to be waking you up this morning. But I just believe what I'm preaching here today. I feel what I'm preaching. The only hope that we have is the power of the resurrection. That's the only hope that any of us have in our lives. It's not going to be a job. It's not going to be a pedigree. It's not going to be a raise. It's not more money, a better car, a bigger house. None of those things are going to matter in the long run. What matters is this, is that there's a vibrant relationship that I have with the living Christ who came out of the tomb and he is alive. He's been resurrected. Oh, indeed, he is risen. He is come out of that grave <laughs> but that's not the only thing John goes on and he says it like this Revelation 1 and 18 I am he that liveth and was dead and behold I am alive forevermore amen and I have the keys of hell and of death and so we come to the third victory and that literally is the supreme power 
of the Lord Jesus Christ over death. Okay? The first victory is that he died. The second victory is that he's alive. And now the third victory is that he has overcome it. And because he's overcome it, and because he has the keys to death and to hell, he's given them, he gave them to Peter. But by virtue of us being born again, we've got those same keys in in our life. And I'm just going to tell you, church, you ought to do everything you can do to engage the spirit that works inside of your life. The Lord has risen. And whenever he conquered death, it wasn't just for himself and for him alone, but it means that death does not have any dominion over any single one of us here this morning. I remember whenever I was a kid, I was afraid to die. I got into about the sixth grade or so, and I don't know what in the world it was, but I thought, oh, my Lord, what in the world would happen to me if I died? And uh, I know kids these days, they hardly even give that a second thought, and especially when you get to be in your, in your late teens, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24. Man, you feel invincible. It's like nothing can stop me. But you get married. And you get some electricity bills. And you get a mortgage. And you get a car payment. And you get a job. And all of a sudden you start wilting down. And you're like, you know what? If the Lord don't help me through all of this part of my life. But I'm just going to tell you here right now. And I was talking. I don't know if it was Justin or Nathan. uh here the last two or three days, and uh, I'm I'm certainly not saying that I'm ready to go right this minute, but I'm just going to tell you what, the fear of death is no longer in my life. And the reason being is because I believe what I'm preaching. I believe what's in this book. And the fact of the matter is this, is there's coming a day that my respirations, they're going to expire. My heart is going to stop. But know this, church, it will be at that moment that I will never have been more alive than my entire existence in my life. That on that moment, that whenever nothing is moved, no blood is moving, no O2, CO2 exchange, is taking place in my lungs at that moment I will be more alive than what I have ever been alive I woke up Noah I need need to quit yelling Uh, here's the fact of the matter is this and Brother Patterson when he was teaching a while ago got talking about death here's what I believe I believe that heaven is going to be the garden eating on steroids I do believe in a literal seven-day, 26-day, 24-hour creation. I believe the Lord made our world in in six days, and those were 24-hour days. I literally believe that. Now, you give this the thought, and even though our world is in chaos and whatever, there are places that whenever you go to, and I've never been to the Grand Canyon, but I have been to the Rockies. I've been to the Smokies. I've been down to the Gulf, various places. You stand in awe of what God has created. Think about this. If he created this world in six days, 
days. He's been working on heaven for 2,000 years. And whenever you get there, you're going to be, oh, dear God, how in the world did I love this world? How in the world did I get so drawn in to the trap and the trinkets of this world? Hear me, church. There is a call to holiness. There is a call to separation. There is a call to prayer and to fasting and to give ourselves to this matter. You know why? It's because heaven is in front of us. And so it is that whenever the Lord conquered death, it wasn't just for himself but the fact of the matter is that it means that it holds no dominion over any single one of us here today. The fact is, is that death is no longer a secret. It no longer can be a terrifying darkness where that people fall into. And for those of us that have worked in the medical field for any length of time, if you haven't seen it yet, I think Sarah is probably the youngest. Uh, Sarah Butler, probably the youngest person here working in the hospital, but some of you have spent 20 and 30 years or so working in the hospital. You've seen people die. You know what it's like to be around people who are dying. And yet the fact is this, is that Jesus Christ, He mastered death. He conquered death. In fact, He destroyed death. But here's the deal. It's just like whenever John Bunyan, he's writing about Christian and Christian is meeting to the going to the celestial city. The story is this, is that he gets to a river and he looks on the other side and he can see the gates and the story goes that that faithful is there with him and he says we've got to cross the river, that river was symbolic of death faithful, he just plowed right on through it Christian was terrified but the story goes on that as they got down into the waters and, and, the, and Bunyan uses scriptures he says it was like the, the sea billows were rolling over me during that period of time but when he got to the other side the story said that there were two shining ones that were waiting on him there were two angels and they were waiting on him they said come on Christian we're going to take you the rest of the way to the gate hear me church there is something in that allegory that Bunyan wrote that tells me here this morning that death doesn't have the final say in any believer's life now for a sinner it's a whole different story but it will not happen in any believer's life that if you have been born again there's no need for us to fear what death is about I wish I could sing oh man I wish I could sing don't say amen brother Wells I know some of y'all wish I could sing too but I'm going to tell you every Easter I go back in my mind and uh, I remember Sister Patterson passed away about this time. And uh, Easter, it's been, I think, eight years ago or so, working on uh, nine years ago now that Sister Patterson passed away. I, I remember going out uh, very shortly, maybe two days or so after she had passed away, and I was sitting out in uh, my backyard, and Brother Sanders had, had uh, made a picnic table and had given it to our family, and and I was sitting out there, and I had my Bible, and I had my journal, and I was sitting there writing. And, and, and to this point, my, I'd had people that uh, in my life had passed away, but none as close to me as Sister Patterson. And uh, like a second mother, and I, I again, I, 
my parents are facing those issues that, that and I'm not saying they're, they're next week, but, but some of you, you know what it's like uh, to lose a parent and, and you know what it's like for them to walk through the gates of death. And I remember sitting out there on that, on that, that picnic table and, and I had my Bible there and I was working through 1 Corinthians 15 and was just writing things down and, and uh, you, I couldn't help myself. I was, I was weeping and, and there was that feeling inside that, that Sister Patterson is gone from this life but oh she is not dead. She is ever more alive. She's more alive now than what she has ever been in her entire existence and then I thought about Brandon McCoy Brandon passed away in 2004 I believe it was I believe it was in October and it was shortly after general conference and on that uh, Sunday night we had shown a video of brother Anthony Mangan and uh, that he had preached at General Conference. That was the first time I think we'd ever done anything like that in our church. We showed that service there that night. After Brother Mangan preached, our altars were filled up in that, in that little old church over there. And I remember in the altar area that I, I was working and praying with people and, and so forth. And I, I seen Brandon, and Brandon was significantly taller uh, than what I was. But I laid my hands on Brandon's forehead head and, and uh, started praying for him and Brandon started speaking in tongues as the Spirit gave him the utterance and in less than 24 hours after that Sunday night service, Brandon's life was snuffed out and he was taken out of here I don't, a 52 East with a tragic car accident and I look back at that and I think, oh, Sister Patterson and you can fill in the blank, some of you have had parents and, and loved ones that have passed on hear me what I'm preaching here this morning death does not have a grip on them if they were born again death does not have a hold on them if they were walking a godly life they're alive they are ever more alive and that ought to elicit something out of every single one of us I'm going to tell you there ought to be a cheer to go up in this house there ought to be a shout that would go up in this place that says I know where they've landed and now I'm going to make it my point that I'm going to walk my life out I don't care what I have to walk through I don't care what tribulation that I have to go through I don't care what trouble that I have to go through I want to get my eyes focused on the gates on the lights and know that God can help us as we get to the other side oh Here's where I wish I could sing. Crown him with many crowns. The lamb upon his throne. Hark how the heavenly anthem drowns. All music but its own. Awake my soul and sing of him who died for me. And hail him as thy matchless king through all eternity. Majesty, Lord of all. Let every throne before him fall. The king of kings, oh come adore our God who reigns forevermore. 
crown him Lord of life who triumphed over the grave and rose victorious in the strife for those he came to save his glories we now sing who died and rose on high who died eternal life to bring and lives that death may die majesty Lord of all let every throne before him fall the king of kings oh come adore our God who reigns forevermore forevermore oh hail redeemer hail for he has died for me his praise and glory shall not fail throughout eternity majesty Lord of all let every king let every throne before him fall the king of kings oh come adore our God who reigns forevermore forevermore death has not defeated him death has not destroyed him any more than death has destroyed any of the saints and a lot of us have walked to gravesides We've looked down. We thought, oh man, how final this seems. But it is not final. It's not over. It's not over. It is not over. They're alive. But the reason they're alive is because our Lord Jesus Christ is alive. got a granny over there that was a prayer warrior this stuff is woven deeply into me fifth generation Pentecostal that's when Pentecostals were still over on the other side of the tracks and everybody was laughing at them they're snake handlers they're weirdos they're crazies they're nuts that's when Pentecost had a stigma I'm afraid we've lost some of that stigma. I'm not so sure that's the best thing in the world. But I will tell you this. I've got hope. Oh, I've got hope. Jesus Christ is alive. Oh, Lord, Lord, I thank you. Oh, our Lord Jesus Christ. I thank you for the hope. Lord, that we have. You were dead, but now you're alive. But not only are you alive, you have the keys of death and hell. And Lord, that word that's tucked in forevermore, you've got it for eternity. Now, Lord, as a church follows along, walks its way through this tight, narrow path through the gate, Lord, that is straight. I ask you, Lord, today don't let discouragement don't let backward glances Lord, don't let deals with the devil Lord, don't let our flesh somehow pull away at us. Don't let bitterness, Lord, don't let unforgiveness 
Don't let those things, God, creep into our spirits. Lord, that would cause us, God, to be offended. Help us, God, not to look down. Oh, Jesus, but help us to look up. You are a risen Savior. You're a powerful Savior. You're a victorious Savior. And I pray, Lord, today that you help every one of us to have the upward look, Lord. There's a new Jerusalem that's waiting on us. I pray, Lord, that into this church here today in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. They're going to sing. I know it's Easter Sunday. I know some of you may have a big meal waiting on you. Some of us going to restaurants and various places. But you know what I'd like for us to do? Just like we did Tuesday night at the prayer time. I'd like for you to just slip out from where you're at and step up into these altar areas. Get as just as tight in this place as you can. And I want you just to lift your hands. And I want you to thank the Lord for the hope of the resurrection. Oh, I thank you, Lord, for that hope. Oh, I thank you, Lord, for that hope.